Hey everyone, welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 80. My name is Damien Ross and I'm the host of the Rootless Living Podcast and the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I've been a full-time RVer and digital nomad since 2017. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it is like to live a life that is still full of travel while you're working, aka being a digital nomad. On this episode, I chat with Adam and we get into what it's like going full-time solo after a long corporate career with a new goal of living and working in all 50 states. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Adam to the show. How are you, my guy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. This is pretty exciting. I'm excited to have you, too. I know, you know what, really, I thank you for your patience because I had to cancel a couple times. If you're hearing rain in the background, it's because I could not cancel again. So we're recording in the rain. And where are you in the world right now? I am in the middle of the country, Denver, Colorado, one of my favorite states to be in, in the big city right now, which is a little bit different than where I've been in the past, so I'm getting acclimated to being around a lot of people again, but I do love Denver and Colorado. No doubt. Well, here's what I know about you, and I've changed up the podcast where I used to do these rapid fires, and now I'm doing this like, here's what I know, and let's get into it. You consider yourself a part-time RVer, which I think we're going to discover that you really are kind of a full-timer. You travel solo in regards to humans, but you have a dog named Holland. You have a 2021 Ram Promaster 159 van. You go place from place, but you have a really kind of cool hodgepodge hybrid way of kind of traveling when it comes to housing or finding short-term rentals, and we'll get into that. And you have a really cool goal. It's actually one of my goals, too, is to live and work in all 50 states. But before we get into all that... Let's go back to before when traveling became part of your daily life. Where were you living? What were you doing? And how did this idea hit you? So I was in, I considered Tampa, Florida to be my, my hometown. I've lived in Tampa since essentially 2001. It was 2018 when I hit the road. Yeah, it was one of those things. I guess I had been thinking about it for a year or so. My, my mother actually retired back around t- 2018. And when I was asking her what she wanted to do when she retired, she had suggested about like, you know, living in a different state or a different city, at least for maybe six months or a year, and then just kind of moving around as a way to travel. And that kind of planted a seed in the back of my head. Meanwhile, a friend of mine uh, was starting a little tutorial on how to start a a website and a blog and had reached out on her Facebook page about asking for volunteers to give her some feedback. And uh, it was something I was interested in, but never thought that I would be the person that could do a blog. So I kind of like hesitantly reached out to her and then she started opening my eyes to this whole lifestyle, people traveling around and I was about to turn 40 years old. I was still single and didn't have any kids. I thought I'd have a family by now. And basically started writing down that list of pros and cons of, do I continue on the path I'm on with some stability and comfort and a decent income? Or do I make a change and (laughs) do this pretty wild lifestyle change? And uh, my, my father had recently passed away too. So there's a lot of things that, we're kind of heading towards, you know, why not do this? Life's short. You don't know how much longer you have here. And uh, so in September of 2018, I sold everything I had, got out of my lease, bought a little Airstream travel trailer actually back then. And it had budgeted for six to eight months worth of travel just to see where it went. And now it's 2021 and I'm in Denver and I'm still trucking along. So That's awesome. Did you have any kind of RV 
vanning kind of travel road trip experience really prior to this at all? Nope, none whatsoever. I had entered a contest to win a little Airstream Bambi. I was like some kind of charity fundraiser thing. And that's what I, that's what I started out with. I bought a uh, 16 foot Airstream Bambi and hindsight, I should have done some more research of, you know, what I wanted, what kind of traveling I was going to do. I had that for about a year before I sold it, but no, no RV experience whatsoever. Yeah, you know, so a couple things, you know, just so you can feel good about yourself. You're not the first person to ever start this without having experience. And two, there's lots of people that get into kind of the wrong rig for them, especially when, you you know, you've reached out and talked to people because everyone is different. I really think you could have twin brothers with twin sisters with the same amount of kids and they would want completely different rigs. And I totally yeah. agree. And it's interesting that you talk about it a little too. I mean, uh, a 16-foot Airstream does not seem... Like it would become a size hindrance for people, but obviously in, in how you wanted to travel, it did. Let's talk a little bit about that because it sounds like you figured out this isn't the best kind of vehicle for you and you swapped over into a, a van. Yeah, I started realizing I had a lot of opportunities to stay with friends and family along my journey and a lot of them lived in big cities and I would stay with them for whether it was like an opportunity to dog sit or actually just legitimately spend some time with them. Sometimes it was one or two months and I didn't really need the Airstream and it was hard to, I was a couple of times I found like a short term storage place to store it. It was just becoming more problematic. I didn't realize I was going to be in big cities as much. So it was a little bit cumbersome and I don't want to knock on Airstream because I know it's a good product, but I had a few warranty issues too and i came to realize that you couldn't just take it into the shop and get it fixed right away i had to schedule it out and you had to wait so that really kind of hindered some of my travel plans as well having to deal with warranty work being done on it and so yeah eventually it was in storage in, in phoenix and i just decided to cut my ties with it i realized i could get an airbnb or a cheap hotel if i needed for for just as cheap as some campsites too, or some RV parks. I didn't realize they were super expensive in some of these areas. So hindsight, maybe I should have kept it and then rented it out kind of thing. Now the van is a little bit different than it was back then. But but I moved on and I got into the, the van. I had a pickup truck that I was traveling in for about a year in between and got the van earlier this year. And I'm loving it so far. It's pretty much just has a, a desk and a bed in it. But I love the freedom of just being able to take it wherever I want. And it's just been so much more better for my style of travel. Is there a, like a facilities in regards to a restroom in it or no? So I have like a portable toilet and mm-hmm. then a cooler and then some water tanks in there. So it's very bare bone right now. I'm kind of going through the thing of just figuring out what space-wise, how I want to design it. I'm in no real hurry to fully build it out right now. So I'm in the, the trial period of figuring out space-wise what's important to me and, and what I would need. Yeah, I think we were in our rig about three years before we, we gutted it and renovated it because it really does take a little bit of time to really figure out exactly what would work best for you. Um, and especially if you're doing like longer stays, I loved all the things that you listed in kind of the preform, whether it's friends' houses, short-term rentals, employee housing, Airbnb, hotels, family, etc. I think it is a really kind of and, and I think people would consider this like a little bit of a form of couch surfing to some other stuff, but I love the hybrid. I mean, that's why we called it rootless because we didn't want to pigeonhole it. And we knew there'd be way different ways of people finding just something that's outside of the you know cookie cutter way of living. And it does sound really cool. And it sounds like a van would make 
the best kind of experience in a situation like this. Can we talk a little, yes. a little bit about what you were doing for work? And if I missed it, I apologize. But what were you doing for work back in Tampa that, I mean, it sounds like you saved money. So I'm, I'm making an assumption that you couldn't just transition into remote. But what were you doing? Just a brief history on my, my, my career, I guess, is when I was 14, I started working for a pretty large grocery store chain in Florida. 22, that was back in 1992. So that was a long time ago, and I'm getting pretty old. But so fast forward to 2014. 22 years I had with the company, kind of worked my way up pretty high. I don't know, pretty high, but like a pretty good job in their corporate office where I was doing real estate work. So basically site selection for a grocery retailer. And I would travel through the Southeast, Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee was primarily my territory. So that kind of got me into the the routine or the routine travel. Um, And then I transitioned to the landlord side of things where I was doing property management. So basically commercial real estate. And that's where I realized you're on call 24 seven. The phone never stops ringing and nobody calls you unless there's a problem. <laughs> it was, it was a fun job. A lot of great people I worked with, uh, but it was a little, I wasn't sure I wanted to go down that path of just having to put out fires all the time. So the, yeah, and that was 2018 when I made the call to transition. I did have a little bit of money saved up. Like I said, for about six to eight months, and then that eight months basically came up, and I was in San Diego, California at the time, and a friend of mine was in Alaska, so I'd reached out to uh, like basically the Chamber of Commerce up in Anchorage just to see if they had any leads on temporary jobs up there. There was an opportunity for me to spend some time with my friend in Alaska. Long story short, they put me onto a, a website called coolworks.com, which I absolutely love. I've found three or four opportunities through them, seasonal work, and their website is really easy to use. Surprisingly, uh, a lot of employers for the seasonal lifestyle offer housing as a part of the opportunity to work with them. So, yeah, I worked at a dude ranch in Colorado, a little ranch in Wyoming, a family-run market up in Michigan. I'm actually pursuing something right now in Washington State, so I'll be curious if I end up there or not. But basically, you're going to commit, you know, four to eight months of your time to do seasonal work, and they provide housing, and it's been an absolute lifesaver to keep me trucking along. Yeah, I love that you kind of had the the six to eight month kind of cushion. I think a lot of people, they really try to figure everything out before they hit the road. My roommate, Nikki, kind of had the same thing. She had an amount of money saved up. She kind of had some ideas and, you know, some things she felt she could do remote wise. And then, you know, over time has built her own business. And, you know, it's just something I want to do a call at that you don't have to have everything figured out. That's for sure. And then you're finding things on the way. I have heard of Cool Works before. I think we've had some people on that kind of talked about it and how you can find longer and short-term kind of just fun projects. I guess I didn't ever really realize that they would come with housing when they're those kind of projects. So that's really cool to hear that, you know, especially like you talked about, you know, the van is something you get to use anyways, regardless, it's your transportation. So you're not trying to find storage for it. And it's just an interesting kind of way to earn some money on the road. Now, yeah, and there's a interrupt real quick, but yeah, my last job at the ranch, I was I literally had my own private cabin right along the Colorado River, which was great. And there was I never did do it, but eventually once I get my van built out more than two, there's an opportunity for me to rent out my van in situations like that when I'm not using it. So that's like another source of income that 
hopefully I'm going to take advantage of here in the future. Yeah, especially if it is a long run, like a six to eight month, like, you know, then that makes total sense. But it is kind of funny that you come from the property management side of the, the headaches and you're like, you know what? I like that kind of pain. Let me rent out my van. That'll be fun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, well, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. Especially after you get it all dialed in, then you probably won't want to uh-huh. at all. What's been maybe like your favorite job that you've had so far or that really just kind of surprised you that you enjoyed so much? I mean, I got to go back to the dude ranch. I didn't even know dude ranches were, were a thing. <laughs> I guess I had heard of them at one point in my life, but they're out here in the West, especially in Colorado and even into Arizona and Montana and stuff. I've, I've always had a passion for cooking food too. So the job that I got on the dude ranch was first came in as an assist, a kitchen assistant and then eventually filled in as the head chef earlier this season. So then three summers kind of worked my way up. And it was just super cool. You know, here I am literally, if I did ever get into a bad mood, I would open the back door of the kitchen and the Rocky Mountains are right there. And the Colorado River was just feet from the kitchen. And there's all these cool guests coming from around the world and a lot of other seasonal staff. The, the family really was like a ranch to me. They called it a, a ranch family with the, all the other staff there. And it was just such a cool experience to meet people from different parts of the United States and then guests from well, the first year it was around the world, but the last couple right. of years it's just been parts of the U.S., but so it's a special experience. No doubt. Now, so this is a, a job that you found kind of right off the, the get-go, and you've gone back pretty much every summer since. Is It's only seasonal, right? They probably closed down during the heavy snow area. Yeah, and there was two kind of hurdles, or one hurdle with my dog. You know, I probably wouldn't do all this traveling had I not had a dog. She keeps me company, but, but it is a challenge finding employment and housing that's dog friendly but this ranch had taken me in with my dog which was awesome and I told him up front that I was only interested in probably doing it for one season and then it was my goal to to go out and do something else but they just they treated me so well there and it was you know my my I actually had my sister and her family lived in Denver so I was just a couple hours away from then so there's a lot of benefits to coming back the next two summers as well but now that's wrapping up this summer, and like I said, I'm not really sure where I'm going to end up later in the fall, but I got a couple opportunities I'm working on right now. Now, without getting the like, you know, real specifics of the finances, is it the type of job that if you work the whole season, could you travel kind of the rest of the season pretty budgetally and then go back to the job? Or is it something we really, it's like, no, once I'm kind of done with that, I've got to go to the next one to kind of start earning again? Yeah, and I think if you're out of debt and have your vehicle paid off and don't have any expenses because when i'm at the ranch they provide housing laundry food you're not really going anywhere so you're not really spending the money on anything so if you're good with your money you could work that five months and save up and yeah i feel like you could make it last into the next year and what's funny too i mean i get the vibe you can correct me if i'm wrong you know i mean it was definitely a corporate job you had, no matter how small of a chain or if it is a really big chain. That's yeah, corporate America. I'm getting the vibe that that's not something you want to go back to or deal with probably ever again, or at least stay away from it as long as you can. Because if you go from a dude ranch and you're a chef with the ability to open the back door and look out at the river, that's really hard to go back to a cubicle, I think, no matter what. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, it is. And I never, I never want to burn any bridges. Who knows where my, my journey is going to go, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I feel like 
I'm an economics major, so like recently I've been thinking about the theory of opportunity cost. And as much as I had a stable job and and benefits and all, all that kind of stuff, there's just that that opportunity cost. Is the longer I stayed there, the less likely it was for me to go out and see these such beautiful places of Canada and the United States and meet some awesome people. And as <laughs> funny as it sounds, like here I am staying with a buddy in Denver and I'm talking to you on a podcast right now like I never would have thought I would be doing that a few years ago and this is just like super cool not like I said not only is it the sites I see but it's the people and the networking and the other like-minded folks that are doing this thing that I'm slowly getting to meet more and more and to me you can't put, put a price on that you know it's funny you mentioned I did a post uh, earlier today I mean legitimately put it on today like instead of student loans we should have travel loans like i really feel like the 18 to 22 kind of age bracket that if people could do what you're doing because this is what i was thinking of is if you could travel for four years and then have work assignments that are you know one month to three months kind of long and do that for four years i think one you'd probably have a much better idea of what it is you want to do later in life and then two it would get you out of your house and exposing different areas that you might just have never exposed yourself to and fall in love with i mean a guy in tampa that's working at a chain of stores might find that his true love is you know being a chef at a dude ranch but like without this lifestyle how do you find that out yeah i I totally agree and that was i said i started working i was 14 so worked all four years of high school and then when i got into college go gators by the way i'm at the university of florida grad i had a was still working at the grocery store and then two different restaurant jobs there too to pay my way through college and one of the one of the things that's always been in the back of my head too i remember i was going to take a trip to alaska so i reached out to my boss at the time and was like hey i want to because they had like a no facial hair policy. So I was like, I'd like to grow a beard before I go to Alaska. You know, I couldn't even grow a beard before I started working for the company. And I got just some resistance to that. And I was just like, that was one of the things. Maybe there's been a few different things along the way. It's like, man, this is crazy. Like I'm living my life where I can't even grow a beard before I go to Alaska for a week. And But I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, I feel like you need to get out in the world. I feel like 90% of the people probably still don't know what they want to be when they grow up, myself included. I caught wind of a company called Road Trip Nation. It's more directed for high school kids, and they're based out of California, but it's really cool. They take some kids on a big green RV and travel around the United States and just do that, like expose them to different career careers out there. And I think it's a really cool concept, too. Yeah, I think it's just exposing people to, you know, outside of whatever their state. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles and there were times where I took kids to the beach for the first time in their life. And we're talking like 15, 16 when I got my car. I had friends that lived the entire time in South Central Los Angeles had never even been to the ocean. And so then I always remember that thinking, you know, I, I have parents that travel quite a bit. I got to travel with them. But for most people, there's not a lot of travel. You know, they barely, rarely leave the state. Or there's, you know, it's weird, too. It's a goal of going abroad. And there's so much here in the United States. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, why is that always our first goal is I got to go to Europe? And it's like, man, there's there's Europe here, just so you know. I mean, there are towns that are, like, I mean, obviously not as old, but they have great history. They're amazing looking. I've been, you know, in, in rivers and creeks where you would think I was in some in Mekano, some in 
you know, parts of Ireland, and I'm just here in the United States. So it's weird that people don't jump on that. I, I love hearing programs where they're exposing people to do that. I just, I haven't heard where it's like, you know, it's like almost like a mission, like where you go on a two-year mission, but there's nothing else besides working and just getting outside of your, the home area that you've grown up in, I think would help so many of us. Real quick with college though, did your degree have to do with what you were doing for a living back when you're in Tampa or did you get a degree for something else and then did something else? No, I guess, you know, going into college, I just, business was kind of a general degree I was going for. And as I started taking business classes, I realized economics was the, the one that I interested me the most. So I kind of specialized, I guess, in economics. But no, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew the company I worked for was a good company and they're still a great company and they treat their employees very good so it was my I guess it was my goal to get into the corporate office but I had no idea I didn't even know they had a real estate department when I was going to college but I did know when I I transferred to a store in Tampa which was close to the, the corporate office after I had graduated because I knew uh, that was my goal to get into the corporate office but not knowing what I wanted to do and anytime somebody from corporate would come in the store I'd make sure to to talk to them and kind of throw my name out there and and eventually one of their departments hired and it was a purchasing department and then I realized I was purchasing equipment for new stores and then I started working with the real estate folks and then my whole eyes open to the real commercial real estate world so yeah I had no idea what I was going to do it's just kind of funny how once you put yourself around those people, those opportunities come about. Without a doubt. And I really do hope this becomes somewhat, you know, especially for those that are younger or in age, that these gap years doing this kind of thing doesn't become like, a, you know, what happened between, you know, 2018, 2020. You're like, oh, I traveled the country. Like, that's a positive thing. I hope we really get to a place, you know, as a country and then even as people are hiring people that they see that as like, wow, this, I bet you have a ton of life experiences, especially someone like you that's hustling from job to job, is is that your only source of income or the physical jobs you get? Or do you have remote work or, you know, a secondary kind of income as you're trying? Right now, it's just the jobs that I'm working, but it is my goal to, as I've, I've been in Denver for two or three weeks now, so I'm downloading some apps. I've actually, the last couple of weeks, done some, I want to say remote work, but it's just a few things that have actually brought in some extra money for me that I could do without having a home base. I could do them anywhere uh in the country one of my main goals though is to really get into writing and, and grow my youtube channel um so that's what my focus is going to be on the future is to hopefully get some books published and and grow a youtube channel where i can get some income from that and then i wouldn't be necessarily reliant on having to find work but the cool works website right now is really good to keep me going until i get to that point do you think if, let's say, books are you know just kicking butt and you're enjoying what you're doing on YouTube, do you still think you see yourself going back to the ranch? Is it something you enjoy doing that much, or would it be like that's a lot of work or maybe a smaller amount of time or something to that nature? I think the only reason I wouldn't go back there is because my whole mission while I started traveling was to go see new places. And like you said, the, the United States has so much to see, and i been to personally i've been to 48 states but since 2018 it's been 35 so i've seen a lot but i still feel like i haven't scratched the surface on what this country has to offer and the more i travel the more i like visiting small towns and there's just millions of small places that i could go so as much as i love the ranch and my ranch family i just feel like if i'm staying true to my mission to to go exploring places that i would want to keep 
going to new places. Gotcha. What kind of books do you think you'd write? Fiction, nonfiction? What is it you well, like writing? I think possibly too. My, my dog has gotten a lot of attention to my journey. She actually, I've started writing for a website through the eyes of my dog. So she has her own little Instagram page now and her own little brand and has met some pretty cool people. So I, I feel like I'd want to do like a kid's series based on the travels of my dog. And then, which would be more or less, well, I guess a, a mix of fiction and, and true life stuff. But, and then I, I almost want to dabble with poetry, like doing poetry on my travels and experiences and my as we'll get into it later but kind of my theme is food so i feel like or food and culture i think it'd be cool to do like a a poetry type book describing my travels gotcha no that would be really cool that's an interesting kind of hybrid too i I mean i'm i'm i love hodgepodge stuff and i i think that's the term my mom used to use all the time and I like when you bring two things together that, you know what I mean? Like, I guess I'm a real huge fan of Reese's peanut butter cups. You know what I mean? And they brought these two things that maybe don't make sense being away from each other, but man, they're amazing <laughs> together and you can find those things. Well, I do have a friend yeah. that uh, has been on the podcast. He's written for us. Jack Huber is his name. He, uh, he was, I, I, I don't want to put pimple in his age, but he had retired and always wanted to write and then start writing pretty much full time after kind of going full time in an RV and, He's been writing, I think, like fiction, murder mystery type stuff. It's really interesting. And I want to connect you too, because I mean, he's going through and has done what you probably want to do, obviously in a different genre and a different niche, but I think you guys need to definitely meet each other. So I'll definitely do that. Yeah. That's what I love about this like community too. I think people aren't as competitive, I would say that you are like in corporate America for some reason. When you hear another RVer that wants to do something similar, there's a lot more of sharing and understanding and hear the growing pains that I kind of had and you know, at least it'll put you in the right direction for sure. In regards to, and you mentioned it, so I'm going to bring it up because I think there is this idea of the the American dream. And I think we all think through this idea of, you know, uh, a spouse and a house and 2.2 kids. And, you know, you're talking to someone that was divorced with four kids at 35 and thought to himself, you know what, I'm kind of old enough and mature enough to start having kids now. So I did it all backwards, like for sure, 100%. But I like hearing where you were saying in the pre-call or the pre-form that you were basically saying, hey, look, you know, I've got this opportunity that most people don't at kind of my age just because I don't have those things that are stopping me. You're not checking in with a a spouse to make sure they want to do it and experiencing something that maybe, you know, outside of those goals. But I want to hear that from you in a little is just that I think we get caught up in this American dream. And for a lot of people, it freezes them. It stops them. They they can't put themselves in a position that maybe will even make that idea of the American dream harder. Cause I have to assume traveling is probably making dating harder, especially, you know, working on a dude ranch for eight months makes it probably tough, <laughs> but what's that been like for you? I mean, give me a little bit of the process of that. Yeah. It's, a, I guess a little bit, I don't know if stressful is the right word. When people ask me like why I'm doing this or what I'm looking for or what, what do I want to get out of it? I don't have like, that single, oh, this is why I'm doing it kind of answer. It's it really is more about the journey and then discovering things that I wouldn't have discovered otherwise. And I don't know what that is that I'm going to discover, but I know at least I have the opportunity to discover it. And you talked about relationships too. Like maybe, you know, hopefully I find love on my journey and hopefully I'm not opposed to this being temporary and then settling down. But really the journey is just all about that discovery process and 
who knows, maybe I'll end up married in Washington State next year, which wouldn't have happened if I stayed in Florida. And going to your point, too, about traveling solo, I always kind of joke around, too, because it, to me, it's definitely easier to travel solo. And I'm discovering that over the past few years, I would never have gone on a trip by myself a few years ago. I just thought that would be kind of weird. And then early in 2018, I actually took a few weekend trips to like New Orleans and the Northeast and that's California by myself and just kind of practiced, I guess, the being by myself kind of thing, traveling. And I never, yeah, I never had to ask. Like, I just did whatever I wanted to do. If I made a bad decision, I had to live with it. It's not like I had to worry about somebody else, like, having a miserable experience. It was just me. And even on this journey, I've gone down, literally gone down dirt roads that I probably shouldn't have. And But I didn't have I had my dog to worry about. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was just me that I had to worry about. So I never really it's, – it's easier in that sense to have that more – freedom and probably do things you wouldn't have done had you been looking out for somebody else if that makes sense no it makes total sense i could see you could be okay if you went down a road and got killed but if you got everyone killed like that sucks <laughs> actually i think it's not cool that you got yourself killed too but i understand what you're talking about and <laughs> i agree i agree with that for sure so i mean obviously a lot here with the, the the travel and the work i like the transition into exploring which we were about to talk about in a way is so when you're not working you know, obviously these jobs I and mean, you're not traveling, which you've done quite a bit of, maybe not as much as you want to, but still a good, you know, stamp on the country so far. What are you doing for fun? What do you enjoy doing? So I'm a big, big sports fan and a big fan of food. It was funny. I got interviewed on a radio station in Canada, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, a couple of years ago. I was up there. I'm a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan and Tampa Bay Rays, and Florida Gators and Buccaneers. So if I'm traveling and any of those teams are playing or playing in a city that I'm close to, I'm going to I'm going to go out there and go to the game. So I was in Winnipeg for the Tampa Bay Lightning game and my it was my journey kind of made it the news waves up there a little bit. So I was interviewed on a radio show and I remember they asked me, they're like, what do you like more? What do you like more food or sports? And I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty much 50, 50 split. So, so yeah, I'm basically either chasing food experiences or sports experiences. And a lot of those times they overlap. I was driving from Colorado to Michigan and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs had a Sunday night game. And I knew I couldn't go to the game, but I was definitely going to drive an hour out of my way to go spend a few hours tailgating at a Chiefs game because that just looked really awesome to me, and it was very cool. So I paid a little bit to park my car, and me and my dog walked around the, the tailgate scene outside of Arrowhead Stadium and had some Kansas City barbecue that some fans were cooking up and experiences like that are just really cool. I was driving down the Pacific Coast Highway and saw some surfers, so I stopped and this is a little cove kind of in the middle of nowhere and there's a hut down there and these these guys had a sign that said the barbecue surfers and there was like a little shack on the beach and all these guys legit with like grills out grilling up and surfing and they invited me over and cooked lunch for me and about six months later, I was driving the, down the Pacific Coast Highway again, and I had got their phone number. One of the guys, I was like, "Hey, I'm driving by. Are you guys there?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course we're here. Come by for lunch." So it's pretty cool. So six months later, I got to hang out with the barbecue surfers again. So yeah, just food and different experiences like that is really what makes me happy on my my free time. 
again, I love that you have the the hodgepodge in the explorer, you know, hobby side of you too, in the sense that, you know, you. I mean, a lot of people I could see saying, hey, I'm going to travel the country. I'm going to try to go to all these big stadiums and, you know, and I, I see a lot of goals that that way. And I didn't really hear that from you. It's just that if the opportunity comes up and you're in the area because of the love of sports, you'll go. But I think a lot of times, especially with us, you know, nomads or full-time reviewer, or whatever you want to call yourself, we're always looking for or looking at the big kind of milestone experiences. And I always talk about this with national parks, how they're just getting so crowded and everybody wants to go to this park that has a fence, but really the mountain to the left of it, that's not around the fence. is just as nice. And, you know, they're always looking for these big staple kind of restaurants and things. And just to hear you kind of talk about, Hey, I saw the sign I went down and just started talking to people. And it is really, I think people are afraid sometimes, especially if you're coming from a big city to talk to people, but there's no better icebreaker than I travel the country full time. Like it literally just wait, what? And everyone wants to start asking questions and talking and, and making sure you get a great experience of the area you're in. So, I mean, it's a good little tip there that you kind of brought as well too. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's one thing I battle with sometimes I was with this national park thing, you bring it up because it, it, there is this like mentality of like, Oh, how cool would it be to say I've been to every national park. And if you're close by, you feel like you're obligated to go, but yeah. I, and I've heard you say this before and I totally agree that there's just so many other cool places where technically it's not a national park, but it could be even better. And most of the time you can bring your dog anywhere you want there too. So that's a bonus. Yeah. We just did uh, a hike yesterday. We rolled in at about, I want to say about seven in the morning and you know, it was real easy to find a parking spot, did a little seven mile hike, came back and I, I say a little seven mile hike, but that's my max. You guys, I don't want to make it sound like I do 20 mile hikes or something. And I just did a little But The parking lot was packed. The entire road was packed. I was like, I don't even know where these people are going. There's not room on the path to even experience it. I just, and we just kept driving and we kept seeing cars parked after car parked. And so I always tell people, if you are going to do a national park, you really should think about getting there before sunup to really be able to enjoy it because by 9am it's just a beast. It's packed. There's everyone's there. And that was a, what I did that on a Monday, I believe and it was just packed. Yeah. I, I drove through Zion earlier this year and I'd been there before and I feel like everybody has to go to Zion at one point in their life. Cause it is absolutely beautiful. But yeah, it was just sad. There's nowhere to park. There's cars all over the place. It was so I literally, I don't even think I, well, I did stop real quick there but yeah it was just driving through was good but yeah dealing with the crowds of people kind of takes away from the experience yeah it was funny too in, in the parking situation when we left and we got about maybe about a half mile out there's all these turnouts that are just empty and there's no rules about how long you can park there but they were right next to a bike path and i thought you know maybe next time if we come we'll just throw the bikes in the back and then we can just roll up because there's always bike lock areas near like the entrance to these trails lock up the bikes go on the trail and we don't have to fight the hour of kind of finding a place to to park to be able to then go hiking. Because it's always funny when you have to hike before the hike, which is very L.A. Like, you would have to, like, park all like two miles down the mountain to hike up to the trail entrance and then go on the two-mile hike. And it's like, I already did the hike before I got here. And now I see national parks. that's happening as well, too. Tell me about, too, like, a state, city, area that just blew you away in regards to speaking to you that maybe you just didn't realize would. What's an area that you really love? So my... I'm going to take this a little bit different path, but one place that I never would have thought I would have went to and kind of it holds a special place in my heart now is it's called San Angelo, Texas. This is back when I had my Airstream 
it was like super hot. One of the one of the reasons my airstream too is the AC unit was really loud and it would scare my dog. So it was like hesitant to to turn it on. So so we were driving from Florida out to Arizona, driving through this little place called San Angelo, Texas, and I pulled over right at dusk. And this lady, just to see what hotels were, were nearby, so I was thinking about getting a hotel room for the night, and this lady was walking her dog and stopped and saw my airstream, and she's like, oh, that's so cool. And uh, so we got to talking, and she ended up being the owner of this little Airbnb and also an owner of a little pub music hall uh, in San Angelo. And she's like, come stay at the Airbnb for free tonight, you and your dog. We'll take you down to the, the music hall. You can listen to some music and kind of relax. <laughs> I'm like, what? And uh, so I ended up staying there two nights, and these two ladies that owned the, the little Airbnb took me in, and they were driving me around to all these restaurants, and I met the mayor and got to meet the mayor of San Angelo and a bunch of little restaurant operators. And, and uh, uh, shout out to San Angelo. Like, it was hospitality I did not expect to receive, and I never would have thought. I didn't even, like, when I heard San Angelo, I was like, you mean San Antonio? But no, it's uh, San Angelo. There's a couple of really famous boot um, makers there. I got to go explore some cowboy boot factories. And one of those things, I, you know, at 7 o'clock that night, I had no idea I was going to be spending the night there. And that ended up being two of the coolest days of my life. That's very cool. I love those moments, and they, they really do happen. I mean, especially if you're open to it and you're someone that, you know, is willing to start a conversation with people kind of a thing. Those moments can happen. And it just sounds like, honestly, I think back to, like, my parents, you know, and I'm 50 years old, so... You know, we went through the don't talk to strangers, don't get in strangers' cars, don't go in strangers' homes. And then, you know, basically we created Facebook, you know, Airbnb and Uber, you know, which was all the things. That's all strangers. And, you know, the experiences have been phenomenal when you just open up. I mean, we've done some great stays on people's properties. They've become what I would consider friends. And, you know, we'll show you, like, how to, like, unlock the house to turn on the power if you come on the property and they're not there later on, which is always, you know, mind blowing to me that people are so trusting and loving, but you know, they don't come from the cities that, you know, I've come from, or maybe you have. And so all they know is that people are really just nice and, you know, worth trusting. You don't have to earn the trust. The trust is given. You just have to, you know, you just have to keep the trust. And I love that part of it. Yeah, that is refreshing. And I just signed up for Harvest Host. I was a little bit skeptical about it. It's not even like it was that much money, but for whatever reason, I thought maybe it was just a scam or something. But I signed up for Harvest Host before I, when I was driving up to Colorado earlier this year and stayed at probably like a dozen Harvest Hosts over a 40-night period. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. I met such random places that I got to stay at. But yeah, going back to the, the people, like these people that would welcome you in, it's just, uh, it's refreshing to see in today's world. Yeah, I hope more businesses find out about it because, I, you know, obviously Harvest Host is an advertiser. I've gotten to know the, the owner, Joel, really well. It is a great way for some of these businesses in small towns to get people to come and stay. And then, you know, you get the business and you know, for us as travelers, we get to talk to someone that's local and really get an idea of what's available and around. I'm glad you're using that. I was almost going to ask you if you're using either one of those services. You know, without a bathroom, you can't really use Boondockers Welcome. You're supposed to be, you know, all self-contained. But with Harvest House, I heard it can be a hodgepodge. And again, I think that's like the word of the day is hodgepodge. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm self-contained in my van if I need to be. So, right. so it's a kind of last resorts kind of thing. But yeah. No, I got you. 
Now, normally I like to do a high-low. I mean, obviously your experience in Texas was obviously a good high, but we'll, we'll still tap into more in regards to the lifestyle. I like to start with the low. Can't be flat tires, COVID, <laughs> internet, things that just happened to all of us. But what's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you just didn't expect and that you've had to kind of work through? It sucks because I really want to say internet so bad, but I'll choose something else. It was funny because I was thinking about this because I knew this question was going to come. And there's, you know, there's little things here and there. And I feel like one of the things that kind of, I don't really get stressed out. um, But one of the things I'm still trying to overcome, and this is after, quote unquote, I've sold everything I've owned. And I still have these boxes of things that I carry around in my van now. and, And I feel like these boxes of things that I think I'm going to need at some point down the road. I just need to get rid of because as much as I'm a minimalist right now, I feel like I still have stuff I need to get rid of. Um, So I don't know if that's a low or whatever, but it's one of those things that in my mind, if I can get rid of more stuff that I have in the van right now, it's just going to make traveling more comfortable. I need to get over the mindset of like, I have to have, something in case an emergency gets odds are I'm going to be pretty close to a store where I can buy something if I need it kind of thing. So one of the, I guess, well, need to do a better job of getting rid of even more stuff that I have. I gotcha. I think it's funny that you're, you're living in a van and you say you have too much stuff. You know what I mean? From like, if someone's, you know, right now and they're listening, they have a 2,800 square foot home. They, they're like, what are you talking about? You've probably already downsized, but I think we all go through it and it becomes heavy, right, bro? Like that you, if, you, if you have stuff, I mean, I don't mean just from like a weight in the vehicle. I just mean on you. If you have stuff that you're just not using, it doesn't carry the same weight that it did in a closet or a room or a garage in a bricks and sticks. It's something you think about and it weighs on you. Yeah, it's, it's tough to make that cut that line of what, what you want to keep. And I have a lot of family and sports mementos at my mom's place in Sarasota. But yeah, I, I feel like I just need to, and there's the, I know I'm going to feel better when I get rid of some of that stuff that I still have with me now. It's just that <laughs> you just got to do it. Without a doubt. That's what I do. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is one of those things that we all kind of think about and deal with. And I, I hope, you know, I'm not doing this forever full-time either. There'll be some sort of hybrid I hope I take a lot of the lessons I've learned and just not start pack riding again to stuff that I just, I never use. Yeah. I still have a little bit of that with tech. I like buying tech and then I notice, man, I've never used this, but I purchased it. But everything else in my life, I'm pretty good of, you know, hey, I don't know. And I try to think of the psychology behind it too. I think most, I would say a majority of the purchases that we purchase are just to make us feel better. It's not stuff that we really need. It's just that like sense of achievement or reward or something and then you buy it and then you never use it and then it has a counter <laughs> it ends up being a weight on your shoulders more than it is beneficial so yeah or it's for others i remember when i don't remember which number it was but when the iphone updated from i'll say seven to eight there wasn't any physical changes and they got rid of the number so like people literally went and bought cases that had iphone eight on it so everyone would know that it's the new phone you know, and that's not for you. That's for everyone else to see. And I'm like, wow, we really are, you know, as a yeah. society, we've gotten it completely backwards or we have a new phone, but we got to make sure everyone knows that it's the new phone, which is very bizarre. Even to the point, I think, oh, I think I remember what it was too, where people were putting like a fake third like lens. So it looks like you have the newest phone. 
That's funny. Yeah, like I've never just, heard it. Yes, yeah, so I feel like clothes are the same way too. If you you know, if once you start living this lifestyle, you start realizing how much money you spend on stuff. Like I was just saying, you don't need, and then that's really true when it comes to to clothes and brand names and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we had the, a, the the fancy shirt doesn't make you hike any faster. I don't think. <laughs> Without doubt, I will say that we had an event recently where we had a I'd say about eight other. RVers there and the one thing I was like man I got to be really self-conscious that I'm changing clothes because they saw the shirt I wore yesterday where normally that's not something I have to think about let's get into the high so what's been a, what's been a, I can't believe this is my life kind of moment that you've had so far being on the road yeah it's just going back to the I guess the, well, it's somewhat expected too but it's just the whole meeting new people and again bringing this prime example right now of me getting to talk to you and what you're doing and yeah, I hadn't heard of Rootless Living until a few months ago, and it was one of the podcasts I wish I had started listening to sooner in your community. And it's just really, I guess you just start realizing that there's like-minded people out there, and it's really cool to meet people from different parts of the country that have different experiences. And I feel like all this stuff makes you a better person to have that your horizons expanded. I've been pretty well traveled before I started doing this. I've done trips to Asia a few times. I went to Russia once, which was pretty wild. So I'm, I'm always open to new adventures. And I feel like it's really special when you get to meet people from your own country that have different backgrounds and broaden your horizons and expand your perspective on things and just make you a better person. So No, for sure. I mean, I, I think that's one of the the underlining kind of lessons of this lifestyle that you just don't know until you live it and how it, how it changes you, you know, both your highs and lows have like a lot of things to do with this lifestyle in regards to just changing, which is cool. And even nature too, like you start to, when you literally see the landscape changes, you're driving down the road, you just have an appreciation for nature more and nature's role on our planet and the different, how it varies from region to region. And, I guess it's the older I get, it's more the the little things that make you appreciate our little planet that we're on. Without a doubt. Yeah, I think I, you know, as a city kid, I didn't realize how much, how much corn there was out there. And I don't, I definitely (laughs) didn't realize how much corn is out there that you and I can't eat. I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, no, it's not made for human consumption. I was like, wait, (laughs) what? How do you make corn that's not, with this, explain this. It was so weird to find out that kind of stuff. Hey, Adam, where can people find you? And folks, like always, I'll, you know, link all this down below in the show notes so you can click on it. You don't have to write it down, but Adam, where can people find you find your pup? Uh, and if they need to ask you questions about, you know, kind of this, uh, remote work, it's not the right word I want to use, not remote work where you're actually going out and finding like these part-time jobs, you know, where can people come and ask you questions? No, thanks for asking. And to all, all y'all out there, definitely feel free to reach out to me and ask ask me anything. And, and then also if you have suggestions on where I should go or what, what I should do, that's all part of my journey too. So I'd love to hear from you. My blog and social media is called Tra- <clears throat> excuse me, Traveling Food Dude. And uh, I was actually born in Canada. So a little disclaimer is the word traveling is just with one L. I know outside of the United States, it's spelled with two L's commonly. So it's traveling food dude with one L. And that's Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. My dog, her name is Holland because my family all has, uh, or my family's all from the the Netherlands. So that's why I picked her name. 
And her social media stuff is Holland the Pup. And she's on TikTok and Instagram. And I just started a YouTube channel for her and Facebook. And she has her own column on the fan-sided website, sports website. So Holland the Pup and Traveling Food Dude is where you can find us. That's awesome. And like I said, I'll link that all down below. Adam, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show, rescheduling with me multiple times, and sharing your story. I appreciate it. No, it's really cool, and I'm excited to see where Rootless Living is going. And, and yeah, I just if I could throw one thing out there, too, it's like what you were saying. It doesn't have to be a full-time RV, or I feel like I'm a little bit of a unique mix of doing part-time work, living out of a van, getting a hotel, getting an Airbnb. It's it's all different, but it all keeps me going. So it's And I like the variety, too, so it's... I'm definitely rootless in a non-traditional rootless way, I think. <laughs> Without a doubt. Because I think ultimately it's just finding ways to have the best experiences. And everyone's different in the ways that they get to find those experiences. But you're doing it, man. It's awesome. I appreciate that. And I look forward to seeing where uh, the podcast and the, the magazine goes. I appreciate that. All right. Take care, Adam. Thanks, Damien. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Adam for coming on the show. And it just is a great reminder. It's never too late to pivot and create a life that is full of memories. I really hope this is encouraging anyone that's thinking about this lifestyle to just go for it. If you want more information or to connect with the guests that have been on the show today, just head down into the show notes, click on any of the links. And if you do reach out to them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.